Next, this month's special series focus on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react? Physicians often transition later in life to new careers. How does a physician use his training to go to work for the government? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, President and Chief Science Officer of Partnership for Cures, a nonprofit that drives cures to patients through repurposing generic drugs for new uses. And my guest is Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness in the Georgia Division of Public Health. Dr. O'Neill and I are discussing emergency preparedness exercises and training. Dr. O'Neill, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Dr. Bloom. It's a pleasure to be with you. So tell us a little bit about what the director does in the Office of Preparedness in Georgia. In Georgia, the Office of Preparedness in Public Health basically oversees all of the activities throughout the state that involve public health preparedness efforts, primarily for catastrophes or disasters although preparedness certainly can be for less severe situations, but we're focusing on our disaster preparedness primarily. And how long have you been in that role? I've been in this role for approximately five years now. And where'd you do your medical training? I did my undergraduate preparation for medicine at Davidson College in North Carolina and attended medical school at the Tulane University School of Medicine in New Orleans. And how did you decide to go into public health and public service? Well, this is actually a second career for me. My first career was in emergency medicine, which I practiced in Georgia for some 29 years. And during that practice of emergency medicine, I basically had my introduction to public health through EMS, emergency medical services, which is a branch of public health here in our state. Serving as a medical director for EMS, I made my initial contacts with public health and upon retiring from active practice, had an opportunity to move into that full time and have been doing public health emergency preparedness now for the last five years since my retirement from practice. And what kinds of disasters have occurred in Georgia where this emergency preparedness has been helpful? We have a host of natural disasters that our state is very prone to We seem to be the recipients of a lot of tornadoes, for example, almost on an annual basis. So our response to tornadoes is something that uh, we have to do quite regularly. Also, being in the southeast, we have to deal with hurricanes, and we were very actively involved during the Katrina reader response in dealing with evacuees from the portion of the country that was so badly hit with those hurricanes. We also are occasionally victimized with wildfires. This has been a bad year for wildfires in Georgia, as in other parts of the country, and public health has had a response to that. Uh, We've had chemical fires. We've had uh, derailments of trains containing chemicals, a host of natural events like that. In the past, we've had to deal with situations that essentially were in the terrorism category, uh, although not international. At the time of the Olympics in Atlanta in 1996, we had the Olympic Park bombing and then a subsequent bombing following that. So we've had a host of different disasters we've had to contend with. And for the Director of Preparedness, what medical services do you manage and train? Essentially, the only medical services that I actually manage 
are the EMS services in Georgia. But indirectly, we have influence on all of the medical services that are provided throughout the state. We have a primary responsibility in public health through what's referred to as emergency support function eight, both on a federal level as well as on our state level, to essentially assure that health and medical services can be maintained and will be available during any type of major emergency. So that means that we have to work very closely with the entire provider community to be sure that services can be available and can be maintained throughout all the different types of catastrophes that we deal with. Tell us about the exercises and trainings that you manage. We have, a, I think, a really profound emphasis on exercises these days, more so than in years past. And one of the first things that I, I should mention, though, is that we need to carefully try to distinguish between exercises and trainings. There is an overlap there, but very often I think there's confusion. When we talk about trainings, we're talking about specific endeavors to teach something, to give a prepared curriculum, and to teach the folks that either have a need to know or have an interest in knowing the information that's in that particular curriculum. An exercise, on the other hand, is a testing. It's a testing of one's knowledge of the plans that have been developed to respond to various types of emergencies or disasters. Now, with exercises, there also is a learning component, and I think that's where the confusion between trainings and exercises comes in. Certainly, we do expect that people will learn during an exercise. They'll learn where there are potential gaps or real gaps in their planning activities and their ability to respond. But the primary purpose of the exercise is not so much teaching as it is the main purpose being to test what you have planned and to identify where the gaps are and then go back to the plan and revise the plan to essentially make it better. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom, and with me is Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, Director of Preparedness for the Georgia Division of Public Health. Tell us what happens during these exercises. Maybe you could paint a picture of one of these exercises for us. How are physicians and other EMS personnel involved? There are a host of different exercises, and of course, depending upon the actual scenario that's being given or being used for the exercise, the involvement of the different types of folks who may be participants in the exercise will vary. At this point in time, probably the scenario that we are using more frequently than anything else in exercising involves pandemic influenza. And we're doing various types of exercises with that. Probably the commonest type is a tabletop exercise in which the various players will sit around a table, be given the scenario, and then will indicate what their responses would be to the basic scenario or to injects that are given to the participants during the exercise. And do you ever have any in-the-field kinds of exercises? Yes, we do. Those types of exercises are more often than not either functional or more typically full-scale exercises. And probably the one that we are most involved with that's a full-scale in-the-field type event involves how we would deal with the strategic national stockpile. The 
Strategic National Stockpile, often abbreviated SNS, is a federal asset that can be made available to any state if the state has a need for pharmaceutical supplies or medical supplies. When the state basically has run out of what it has and needs additional help, we can call upon the Strategic National Stockpile. With that, in the field, we very often will actually deliver the containers that the stockpile would be coming to the state in and begin the process of staging those drugs. If we have to break them down into unit doses, for example, we would show how we would do that in a field setting. And then we would show how they would be distributed out to the actual points of distribution, uh, often called the pods, where patients or individuals who are not yet patients would actually receive the the pharmaceutical or the medical supply that's being given out at that point in time in a, a mass dispensing effort. So that, I would say, is probably the commonest in the field exercise that we participate in on a regular basis. And how do you manage the fact that Georgia has such a wide variety of constituencies from, you know, very cosmopolitan Atlanta to very rural areas. How do you manage those exercises and trainings with such a varied uh, population? That's quite a challenge, uh, in all honesty. And I think the answer is that we manage that by essentially maintaining close relationships with the local level and with the regional level of public health as well as public health partners, essential partners such as law enforcement, emergency management, fire, and so forth throughout the state. It requires tremendous relationship building and maintaining those relationships so that there is an understanding of what the capacity is in the rural sections of the state as opposed to the urban sections of the state, and with an awareness that different areas of the state have to support uh, other areas, which may be uh, the area receiving the actual impact of whatever the disaster is that we're dealing with. It's essentially a mutual aid concept that, that we have to support. And by maintaining relationships and by developing the mutual aid concept, essentially able to, I think, reasonably well meet the responsibilities of both the rural sections of the state as well as the urban and suburban sections of the state. Are there different kinds of exercises that you do, and can you explain the differences? Yes, there are, and I've really uh, alluded to this a little bit in what I had just said earlier. There are primarily three types of exercises that we deal with. Uh, The most common is the tabletop exercise. The next is a functional exercise, and the most involved is the full-scale exercise. Tabletops are essentially exercises in which a scenario is given and people assume that the scenario is a real-life event and they walk through verbally, not literally, they verbally walk through how they would respond to that particular scenario. On the functional exercises, we identify one particular key aspect that we want to test. For example, communications. As I'm sure you you well know and all the listeners know, repeatedly in uh, catastrophes, one of the greatest problems we face is always communications, having adequate communications. So doing functional exercises where we focus just on the communications piece is a fairly common endeavor that I think you would find in most states. 
And then the most involved type of exercise is the full scale where you're actually in the field and you're moving people around, not just simulating events, but actually simulating it with as much reality as you possibly can, much more reality than just a verbal walkthrough. Every state has a division of public health and a director that's in charge of preparedness. I want to thank our guest, Dr. J. Patrick O'Neill, the Director of Preparedness for the State of Georgia, for giving us some insights into how the state and local municipalities are preparing for a wide variety of disasters. I'm your host, Attorney and Dr. Bruce Bloom. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.